Welcome to our continuing study of elders, deacons, preachers, and saints. As we've stated in the past, this lesson was actually developed by a brother in Christ by the name of uh, Mike Mazalango of the Edmonds, Oklahoma Church of Christ. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to learn more from your word. Heavenly Father, we we need to know more about elders and the qualifications and the selection process as we do with deacons and, and, and understanding the role of preachers. But also, Father, understanding our role as saints because that's where it all starts. Heavenly Father, your word is powerful. Your word is so powerful, Father, that it brings us to Christ. It's so powerful it keeps us in Christ. It's so powerful it advances us through our through our journey of faith to our final destination of heaven. And, Father, we thank you for that. And, Father, we pray that we will always have the, the desire and wisdom, Father, to stay in your word, to study it, to meditate on it, to apply it to our lives. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for blessing us. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. So as we continue in this series, in this, in this practical lesson, we will review the process for the selection, the, how we actually select elders and deacons, how we confirm elders and deacons, and how we appoint elders and deacons within a congregation. And it was mentioned before that these lessons are not solely academic exercises, but rather they are preparation for churches who want to actually go about the business of selecting and appointing elders and deacons and help us better understand their roles within the congregation. So as we get started this evening, what we want to do is review the qualifications required for elders and deacons and the various ways to select them. And we want, want to, what we're going to do today is start with the deacons, start talking about them. And there's a reason we want to start with the deacons, and that reason is this right here. It's because we have a clearer picture in the New Testament concerning their task, concerning their selection, concerning their qualifications. So as we look at the qualifications of deacons, what we find is deacons were men. They were to have charge or responsibility over certain tasks, and those tasks would be defined by the elders in terms of the guidelines as well. And then those deacons were responsible for carrying out the roles, uh, carrying out the tasks. They were to be men who had a good reputation they were to be spiritual in nature. They were talented, talented in various areas. They were to be respectable, honest, sober, not greedy, faithful to the word. They also were to be men who had experience in church work, not novice. In other words, they weren't men who were to went into waters of baptism on Monday and on Tuesday they were serving as deacons. They were to be married only once and managing their households well. I also said that 
We look for these qualifications in these men, but when we're looking for it, we're looking for it to a positive degree rather than a perfect degree. Because if we were looking for it in a perfect degree, not only will we have elders, deacons, and preachers not qualified, we wouldn't have saints who were qualified either. So in other words, we realize that no one is perfectly honest, no one is perfectly faithful, etc., etc. So what we want, though, is someone who exhibits these qualities to a positive degree, where we can see that those qualities are actually there. Okay. So then, when we look at the selection process, for deacons. The New Testament provides us with a clear example of how deacons are chosen. And I want to remind us of this by going back to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. The Bible there reads, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Pemias, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So then, when we look at what we what we just read here, the congregation was responsible to look among themselves for men who were qualified, and these names were forwarded to the elders. These people were then approved by the apostles or the leadership. They were commended or ordained into service by praying, and as it says here, the land on of hands by the apostles. Now, we know this about this system. This system uh, was perpetuated. By perpetuated, I mean it was carried on and on and on. It repeated itself because Paul gives further qualifications for deacons in Timothy and, and specifically in 1 Timothy. This means that today, in 2022 even, we can follow this pattern for selecting deacons. So what we want to do is use our imagination here because we don't use this particular form that you have on the slide. But I want, to, I want us to imagine just for a moment that, that in our own congregation right here uh, that we were in the process of selecting deacons. We've looked among the congregation for men who are qualified to serve in this role. And this worksheet that we're looking at provides an idea of how we can review the qualifications and keep track of these individuals, either uh, these individuals by name, either physically or mentally. And we look at the, uh, the sheet itself and, and an explanation of it. What we find is that a check mark means that you know 
this about this man or these men. And in your opinion, they qualify to serve as deacons. A question mark means you're not certain or you have no knowledge in this area. And an X means you know for a fact that this person does not qualify. So as we progress on then, a list of those men who are being forwarded by the brethren to the congregation is then presented to the elders for their approval. Now, they will be presented to the congregation for consideration, but but only only after the man and his spouse have been vetted by the elders. Here at Anchorage Church of Christ, we work within the availability of the individual. By what I mean by that is we want to make sure that the individual is available to meet with us at a given time versus just throwing out a time and saying, you better be there. So, and, and so by doing this also, we can meet with them in a timely fashion and at a time this benefits them. And then after we finish bathing them, what we would do is present them to the congregation and allow the congregation about two weeks to vet them themselves. Now, this cannot be said enough. When we're presenting a man to the congregation for vetting by the congregation, right? We are only seeking biblical reasons for disqualifications, not personal or emotional reasons. So then, those approved would be given their charge and commended to service by prayer and the laying on of hands by the elders once this process is complete. So then, to review, you would use the sheet if you wanted to use it on the deacon side to make your selection, return that sheet to the elders for and with their names for consideration and approval. And again, remember that an X means that Rather, an X in any area does not mean that the person does not qualify to serve as a deacon. What that means is that we're going to allow that final decision to be made by the elders once the elders finish vetting them or interviewing them, if you will. So that's the selection process for deacons. So now we turn our attention to the selection process for elders. Now, with the elders, what we find is the process is not as straightforward as it is for deacons. And we will deal with that in a moment. But in terms of qualifications for elders, elders are men who exercise the leadership of Christ Jesus in the local congregation. They love the church. They love to work with others. They make decisions, and the decisions that elders make, they're decisions that they own up to. They are dependable and can share their love with the congregation. And when we talk about dependability of elders, we're, it doesn't matter if it's one, uh, two elders, I should say, or 22 elders. They are still dependable, and they love the, the church, and they love to, to share that love with the church. They're married only once. They manage their households well, and their children, whatever number they are, are believers. Now, that last statement there, whatever number they are, it's important that we clarify something here. It's important to state this because some think that a man must have multiple children in order to qualify as an elder. And they say this because they're saying, well, since children are so different, having multiple children give the, give the man an opportunity to deal with the multiple personalities within a congregation. But I want us to keep something in mind here and remember this. This man is not in his 20s. This man is not in his 30s. This man is not in his 40s. This is a mature Christian by reason of use of God's word 
and by reason of his age. And we continue. They are able to teach, and they are faithful to the word themselves. Now, Paul mentions a a number of other qualifications that we find in both uh, 1 Timothy and Titus that refers to their character. For instance, moderate, prudent, sober, gentle, respectable, hospitable, good reputation, not argumentative, violent, or greedy. Someone who is just, devout, a lover of what is good and right. And again, the idea of the man who possessed these qualities, we are looking for them in a, to a positive degree, not a perfect degree, the same as when we're looking at deacons. So then, when we look at the work of elders and deacons, what we find is this right here. The work of the deacons doesn't change unless they change the ministry which they're working with. But otherwise, the work doesn't change. If you're, if you're responsible for, let's say, uh, the facilities, Unless you change and become responsible for education, it's going to be the same. Maybe the work at the building is going to change, but you're still responsible for the facilities. Whereas the work of the elders is threefold, and it doesn't change. We call it the three Ps, if you will, a P-cube. They protect the congregation against false teaching and false teachers. That is why we have elders that 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 go to the classes and 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 oversee the children education as well as the adult education. Yes, we have deacons that are responsible for things, but the overall responsibility falls upon the elders. They promote and direct sound teaching, good works, unity, and peace. They provide leadership and examples for for sound teaching and good works. Now, the difference between between the elders and deacons is that elders are charged with shepherding the flock by administering the word to them and by providing examples of leadership and mature Christian living. Deacons are charged with carrying out works of service toward the church and the community and, of course, under the oversight of the elders. So let's turn our attention to the selection process for elders. Now, there are several ways of thinking here. There are several ways of thinking that have been developed in the church over the years, okay, when it comes to selecting elders. Now here, what I'm going to present to you are three major views and why those three views are held. And we start with the first one right here. Only the preacher chooses only the evangelist or preacher chooses the elders. Now, this is a method here that's used if you want to figure out who's doing it mostly. Uh, some of us remember the Boston movement or the discipleship movement or the international movement from, from 20 or 30 years ago when they came into Alaska. Now, the argument is that in the only examples in the Bible where elders are appointed, the apostles or evangelists were doing the selecting. And if we were to use this process in our congregation, for instance, Tony will be the one, he's the preacher, he would be the one who's selecting and appointing the elders. As we see the example that they're talking about, we find it in Timothy and we find it in Titus. But if you just stop there, yeah, you're absolutely right. But you got to keep going and read, the, take the whole Bible. 
the, the next view, the second view, the church selects the men and the elders approve their choice. So many churches do this by having a committee select names and submit them to the elders. Now, the argument for this process here is based on is based on two things. Number one, uh, I want to take you to uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. The Bible there reads, And when they had appointed, that's the word I want you to think about right now, appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The word appoint that we just read there in Acts 24 at verse 23 is sometimes translated ordain. And it comes from a Greek word that meant holding up or stretching out one's hand as if we were voting or to signify the raising of one's hands in order to to make a choice or to show our approval. Now, some scholars say that this shows that congregations approve the elders by holding up their hands and the choice is made in this manner. The second point here is that they want to make is in this argument is this. Some early church writings, let's say the second and third centuries, if you will, uh, when they were looking at selecting elders and rejecting elders, they did so by a vote. This was the usual pattern in the Jewish synagogues, and, and it is assumed that it was continuing in the first century, especially in the first century Christian church, but it eventually died out. There's nowhere we find where where any uh, inspired writer of God's word showed that this was to carry on over and over over the years. Now, if we were to use this method here, then, number two, we would do the same procedure for the deacons, not just for the elders. Select men according to qualifications and then submit them to elders for approval. So we get to the third view. The elders... An evangelist select a man who desires to serve as an elder. The congregation confirms his selection by affirming that he does indeed qualify according to scripture. Again, that even when elders are nominated, they have to sit and talk with the elders as well. They're interviewed by the other elders. It's not an automatic process for deacons or elders. So here are the arguments for this procedure. Number one. It follows the New Testament example that we just read in Acts 14 and verse 23. The apostles who served as elders in the beginning selected. Now in Titus, the preacher does say that the preacher selects, but there is no example, command, or inference. Remember, when we're looking at the word of God and we're trying to figure out what's going on, we should look for the command from God. We should look for examples from God. We should look for the necessary inference here. So we don't find that the shows that the congregation chose. But we do have two examples where the leaders, that is the apostles, and the evangelists selects. Number two. It includes the congregation in the process according to uh, 1 Timothy 3 at verse 2. Let's look over there for a moment. 1 Timothy 3 at verse 2. 
We could read more of that, but I just want to look at verse 2 because it has most, has most of what I want to say anyway. First uh, Timothy 3 at verse 2, it says, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Think about this for a moment. Being above reproach, being hospitable, able to teach, etc. Think about that for a moment. It can only be determined by the people that he has contact with, the congregation. Sheep do not choose their shepherd. But this one thing about sheep, they do choose if they would follow or not follow that shepherd. Number three, it bases the selection process only on scripture, not on commentaries, not on traditions, not on historical writings. So within, when you look at these three views here, the third procedure is the one that I recommend, and a lot of others recommend it too, that we follow here in Anchorage Church of Christ. That men come forward and are selected to serve as elders when their names are put forth before the congregation and the members have a worksheet to help them confirm that these men are biblically qualified. And if they are, they will be commended to service through prayer and the laying on of hands. And the sheet here is basically similar to the one that we talked about for deacons. It's the same type of a sheet where we make mental or physical notes to evaluate the qualifications of those men who are put forth in consideration to serve as elders. But what I want to show us here is what we have available here at Anchorage. And and the reason I want to show it to is some of us I don't think have paid much attention to this particular these two forms that are out there on the on the wall. And and sometimes I've talked to people at different times and they've said people have asked them, talked to them about serving as elders or deacons and they didn't even qualify. So that means that the person that approached them even if they didn't have a firm understanding of the Bible, did not take the opportunity to look at that form and actually read the, the information that was on it before they approached that person about serving in any capacity. And another thing, so I've, we've also, since I've been serving as an elder here, we've had situations where individuals, we received the, 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 the referral form. It hadn't been signed by the individual. When we, when we went and talked to an individual, that was news to him. Because nobody had talked to that man at all about serving as an elder or a deacon. And this form makes sure that things like that doesn't happen. Sh- to show you what I mean. Okay, we're looking at the one for um, the deacon. So I know you guys can read, but I want to read it anyway. The congregation needs a process by which men who are qualified to serve as deacons can be identified and put before the congregation. As a matter of convenience, this form has been developed to allow you to let the congregation know that you have identified a man whom you believe is qualified to serve as a deacon. A deacon is a servant. Within the work of this congregation, there is a continuing need for men to carry out special responsibilities as deacons, working under the oversight of the elders. So it's something the man got to be uh, understand here. Just like when we come to the congregation, we identify with the congregation, one of the questions we ask, are you willing to work under the oversight of the elders? So if the answer is no, then maybe you should go worship someplace else. 
I mean, really. And it's the same thing here. If you're going to serve as a deacon and say, but I don't want to work under the oversight of the elders, maybe you should be somewhere else or definitely not serving as a deacon. Then the next part, there are several passages in the New Testament which describe the qualifications and work of deacons. These passages include 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, Acts 6, 1 through 6. Next paragraph, before you submit a man's name, please take the time to study the scriptures listed above, praying and praying for and prayerfully rather, consider the man and the work. After this careful consideration, if you believe the man is qualified to serve, please complete the statement below and submit the completed form to one of the elders of the office. And the form continues. The congregation is in need of a man to serve as a deacon responsible for the following tasks. And we list the tasks. And that's part of the conversation with the individual. You may want to work with education. You may want to work with facilities, worship, identify it. Then it says, if you believe, then the next part, I believe that whatever the person's name is, meet the qualifications for service as a deacon of the Lord's church. I have, very important, I have discussed this with him, and he has expressed a desire to serve in this capacity. Then we have a signature for the person who is proposing this individual to serve. We have the signature of the individual who is proposed and a date, and this form is given to the elders of the office, and then we follow up with the individual and meet with them. Now, that's the one for the deacons, the one for the elders. The congregation needs the congregation needs a process by which men who are qualified to serve as elders can be identified and put before the congregation. As a matter of convenience, this form has been developed to allow you to allow you to let the congregation know that you have identified a man whom you believe is qualified to serve as an elder. A little bit more information. The office of elder or bishop in the church is one of honor but also of tremendous responsibility. And then it gives us information from Hebrews 13 to verse 17. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Form is not finished. There are several passages in the New Testament which describe the qualifications and work of elders. These passages include... Acts 20, verses 17 through 35, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, Titus 1, 3 through 9, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. It continues, before you submit a man's name, please take the time to study the scriptures listed above and prayerfully consider the man and the work. After this careful consideration, if you believe the man is qualified to serve, please complete the statement below and submit the completed form to one of the elders or the office. And then it goes again, I believe that whatever the man's name is, meet the qualifications for service as an elder of the Lord's church. I have discussed this with him, and he has expressed a desire to serve in this capacity. And then we have the signature of the one that's proposed and the one who proposed them, and date. And this information is given to one of the elders of the office. So that's the qualification, that's the selection process for deacons and elders in particular as well, how we do it here at Anchorage Church of Christ. Uh, I 
talked to Judy, Judy earlier, and I know there should be forms out there on the wall now should you desiring to use them. So we want to turn our attention now to fasting because in some cases when elders and deacons were, were uh, 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 installed, uh, there, there was praying and laying on of hands, and in other situations there were fasting taking place. So which is to say fasting is optional because it was optional in the New Testament. Which is to say, sometimes they did fast, as we read in, um, they did not fast, I should say, as we read in Acts 6 and verse 6 regarding the deacons, but we also see that in Second Timothy. Sometimes they did fast, as we read there, as we read in Acts 13 and verse 3, as we read in Acts 14 and verse 23, and sometimes we do not know, as we see in Titus 1 at verse 5. But there's something we do know. What we do know is that they prayed. They laid hands on on them to commend. And sometimes, and sometimes, they fasted. Our elders are free to choose if we wish to fast before we appoint new elders by prayer and the laying on of hands. So then. In order, in order to minister to a growing congregation, and I, I put this out before, according to a survey, we should have one elder for every 40 adults. By the numbers that we have here, we are about four elders short. We are about four elders short. Now, someone mentioned to me a while back, in a good way, in a nice way, that they were concerned that there were only two elders here. Not so much because one of us may drop dead or leave, but because with two elders, it was more of a possibility of those two men lording it over the congregation. But brethren, I'm going to tell you something. That is not biblical, and the person acknowledged that that was not biblical. Twenty-two elders can lord it over the congregation just as well as two. So that it, as long as we're within scripture here, you have to have a multiplicity of elders. So two elders is absolutely correct. Would we like to have four more? Yes, we would love to have four more. And speaking in that matter, we are, we are short about three deacons. We would love to have three more of them as well. But whether they're elders or deacons, they got to come from within the congregation. It can't be somebody walking in the door saying, look at me, I'm ready to serve. Nice to see you, bro, but you're not going to be serving here right now. You know, so it's the way it is. So then, what do we need then? What do we need? Since we are a growing congregation and we want to continue to grow, everyone needs to dedicate themselves to finding ways to serve the church. When I say everyone, I'm talking about men and women. I'm talking about young and old. I'm talking about experience and inexperience. The church need godly men who are willing to sacrifice themselves on the altar of service by taking on the responsibilities of elders and deacons. And the church also need for these men. They must be supported by their wives in this work. That is very important. When we conduct the interviews, we interview the husband and the wife because we want to know if she is going to support this man in this work. 
And the church needs to know how to select and appoint these men to the roles of leadership in the church. And that is the whole purpose of why we're bringing this lesson. So what I want to do before I close is revisit 1 Timothy 3. I want to revisit 1 Timothy 3 and look at the qualifications and read from the word of God, again, the qualifications of elders and deacons. And and I hope nobody here is thinking we've read this so much, I don't want to hear it no more. I really hope nobody is thinking that. I really do. Because this is something we can't read enough because we need to make sure we have an understanding here. So in 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, the Bible says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires or reaches for the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, but a love, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how would he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. The qualifications of deacons started verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified. Not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. We have spent the last 10 weeks talking about elders and deacons their role, their qualification, their work, and the selection process. Tony, you're on the block next week, bro. Next week, we turn our attention to talking about the role of the preacher. The role of the preacher. I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight. I thank all of you for joining us through these last 10 weeks so that we can better understand those men that are responsible for for overseeing or shepherding a congregation, as well as those men who are responsible for serving it in various capacities, as well as their wives who support them in this work. For those who are joining us online, we thank you for joining us online tonight. If you're not familiar with the congregation or you have a question, uh, you can send us an email, you can call us, you can come by and visit and talk with us. And for everyone who's here, both online and and in person, in a moment we will have a devotional. 
it doesn't end at the end of this lesson. We get the devotional a little bit more to take us out into the world the rest of the week as we strive to allow people to see God living in us. Thank you for joining us tonight.